0: Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing. Recorded in the PW offices in New York City. Yes, we are back.
1: <laughs> yeah, we're back.
0: We are back. I'm Calvin Reed, contributing editor uh um of Publishers Weekly. Uh uh, uh check us out online at com slash comics.
1: And I'm Heidi McDonald, talking, squawking, editor in chief of The Beat at ComicsBeat.com. <laughs> <laughs> and you can find us on, uh, the, the, the internet. platform formerly known as Twitter, uh, at PW comics World.
2: <laughs> and I'm Kate Fitzsimmons on
0: the podcast
2: producer, and you can find us online on Tumblr at pwcomicsworld.tumblr.com.
0: And don't forget, you can subscribe more to come on the Apple Podcast app, on Google Podcasts, and on Stitcher. And on social media, that would be Facebook. We're at <laughs> Facebook.com slash PWComics.
2: And you know, mm-hmm. you can... you can Pat, o- Calvin, Calvin. Yes. Stitcher no longer exists.
0: Oh, really? Good. Well, that's good to know. Yeah. All right. Well, so we...
1: Uh, all platforms. No, let's leave it in because we've talked about it so many times, you know. Yeah. And also, by the way... Uh if you have something to tell us like the fact that Stitcher doesn't exist you can always like leave us a message on any of these platforms and also give us an, a rating or you know a thumbs up or leave us a comment um on one of these platforms that exists uh because we love to hear from our right. listeners
0: Come on folks a message in a bottle <laughs> send it to us All right this week on more to come uh Cartoon Crossroads Columbus, like the, uh, also known as CXC, a wonderful festival, comics festival in Columbus, Ohio, has awarded its Tom Spurgeon Award, named after the late uh, editor-historian, much-loved uh, comics guy uh, to me, and, <laughs> um, uh, and I'm incredibly uh, honored and thrilled uh, to receive this award. Uh, direct market yearns for sales charts. New York Comic Con shockers, uh, business news of the week, and a look at a quick preview of SBX coming up and the Baltimore Comic Con. So And briefs. Oh, yes, and of course briefs.
1: Well, congratulations, Calvin.
0: <laughs> Thank you, so, everyone. So, Calvin,
1: tell us, I mean, yes, uh, you know, Tom Spurgeon greatly missed the late great Tom Spurgeon. Yes. And wow. uh we just did a little tribute to him by running one of our interviews with him on our, our uh our flashback weekend podcast last week. And uh that was but,
0: an interesting interview because yes, it was it was done the it, same year he, yes, he it was he passed away and just a few a few months before.
1: Yeah. And um so uh Calvin Congratulations though. This is a kind of a lifetime achievement award for yeah, for contributions yeah. to the comics yes. industry. Uh and Kate, don't you agree there's no one who deserves this award more?
2: <laughs> what a leading question, yeah,
0: Heidi. I, I, yes, but of kind of course. put her on the spot there a little bit.
2: Well, <laughs> Kate did not look like
1: she was going to jump in, so I didn't know what she was going to well, say. Well, that, oh, I,
0: I That's okay. <laughs> I, I I'm sure Kate <laughs> thinks I am just But Kate, warned. how
1: do you really feel? I
0: she wouldn't challenge it, but that's how <laughs> But uh um, <laughs> There you go. Awkward.
2: Well, uh, I mean, I'm I'm gonna say something honest. Well, I think Calvin deserves all the awards in the world. I've never heard of this award before, so Well
0: I think I'm the, You're the second third. or third person I be- to get it. You are the
1: third person to get it. I believe they yeah. gave it to Frederick Schott, the manga trans yes. pioneering yes, manga yes, translator. Yes. And then uh, the uh, were- previous, the first year of the award, which is during COVID, so it wasn't presented in person. Yeah. Uh, they give to several people, yeah. some of whom were passed away. So, but listen, yeah. I think it's really great that they are doing an award yes. to Recognize people who aren't creators in the industry. And that, it, and it yes. is
0: specifically that for is specifically people who are not actual creators. For
1: people yeah. who are not creators of the industry, so. uh, who have still made it really, you know, it's kind of like the, uh, the Oscars to have their technical awards that they give and Absolutely. Their, their, their governor's awards that go to people. But yes, Calvin, uh, honestly, it's, it's, it's great that you are getting this award because You've done a lot for this industry, my friend.
0: Well, uh, I'm, I'm humbled actually when people point that out. It's, look, I'm just all these pats on the back. Uh, it's great. I, I had a great job. Uh, I'm still kind of hanging it on to it here. You know, can't seem to get rid of me. Um, and it's just kind of terrific. Well, Calvin,
1: you're going to Columbus to get the award at this year's CXC. I think it's, uh, October
0: 1st. It's September 28th. Through October first, right? Okay.
1: Well, I, it, you need to give us a blow-by-blow blow account yes, of
0: every yes. moment of I your
1: will. faded weekend.
0: I'm going to be on a panel. I'm going to be on a business on a the the comics market now panel or something. Oh, like
2: great! There. Yeah. But
0: I can't remember who else is going to be on but, the panel. That. But, um,
2: but I think something that might not necessarily be obvious, especially by the fact that say someone who's not deep into the minutiae of the comics world might not have heard of Calvin, is how many writers, editors, creators, major comics journalists passed through PW under your editorship, writing stuff, being interviewed for their first interview before anyone ever heard of them, um, you know, getting their first foot in the door journalistically. Like, it's it's a lot.
0: There's, yes, we've been, uh, PW's been very fortunate that so many people, including you two, my two co-hosts, I mean, (laughs) we all date back to this incredible time that was a really different time in the comics world than what we live in now.
1: Yeah. And
0: um, all, we all contributed to it. And I should say, um, people like Douglas Walk and Charles Brownstein as well. Absolutely. Yes. Are incredibly important to our ability, how we are able to cover comics and what PW is able to and
1: do. And listen, when, when, uh, you know, Douglas and Charles were not here to erase history. Charles was a, yes, wrote some really great stories. He did. And, um, I mean, when I came on after Douglas mm. and, um, you know, the stories I wrote were things like web comics. What are they? Like literally. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, Graphic novels can sell. I mean, like, my articles were so in the woods of what is the brand new thing that is happening because it hadn't been covered before in the book-selling medium. Right. You're
2: evangelizing to a new audience. absolutely. And
1: Calvin was who started it. And that was the plan. And he was, (laughs) it was his plan, and he fought for it, and, um... The rest is history.
0: And we kicked ass. Yes, and we kicked ass. We totally kicked <laughs> ass. And
1: you know, look, I, a lot of times in the pioneer, you're like, well, would somebody else have, to, uh, yeah, yeah. okay, this is my own self-aggrandizing story. Uh, but I, you know, James Jean has just talked about how I got him his, you know, he came by hmm. DC Comics and no one would look at his portfolio except Heidi. Hmm. So Heidi was the one who said, oh, you need to talk to our art director. You're a freaking genius. And, you know, then the rest is history. Sure. And he has, you know, shouted me out. When he won a uh, Eisner, he shouted me out for uh, for uh helping great. him out. Right. Now,
2: would James have been successful without me? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but the story might have gone differently. Might have gone and, differently. And who's to say that this way isn't better? Right. Maybe right. Maybe Ex- move exactly.
0: the time frame up a little bit. Yes. Would comics have become... What they are now, without say, well, without me, and I you know, I don't know what they could have done with completely without PW. Right,
1: I
2: agree. Which is
0: the the reason. I mean, mm-hmm. I love that I'm getting the award, but it's because I worked at PW mm-hmm. that all of this stuff what I was able True. to do.
2: But the thing is, it can be two part. One, it can be the power of PW who believed in you and let it happen. But also, um. I think in the early days, comic book people were not thick on the ground at PW. I mean, it...
0: No, they weren't. There was zero. (laughs) Well, no, you were the one. It was me, I mean... So,
2: I mean, I think you can't under... you can't overestimate the importance of having someone who actually knows what the hell they're talking about reporting on an industry. Because I've read any number of Very well written articles about the comic industry written by people who didn't really understand the comic (laughs) industry, which on the surface sounded great, but were not wildly informative about anything useful. Um, so yeah, I think PW would have had comics coverage, but I don't know what would have been as good as yours.
0: Well, well, that's another, that's another compliment and that's another, you know, I appreciate uh, appreciate that for sure. That's
2: a,
1: so, you know, look, would graphic novels have become the biggest success story in publishing of the twenty first century yes,
0: absolutely absolutely, absolutely. Did
1: maybe Calvin's efforts here uh make it happen a little faster and a little smoother. I believe so, yeah, I yeah. believe so, so congratulations calvin
0: well, thank you thank I mean, thanks to everybody, thanks to c x c and you know um uh you know, a shout out to the memory of Tom Spurgeon, yes. a great guy. I, 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 you know, I wrote some stuff for uh when they, they they asked me to write some things, and you know, I, you know, I, I think I first met Tom in you know insulting him on the internet, like everybody seemed to do in those days, was well, some flame yes. war, and but the first time I met him, you know, first thing you wanted to know was like, what comics are you reading? Yeah, you know, so <laughs> we, you know, we miss you, Tom. Well,
2: yeah. that is literally the first time the the first thing Calvin and Heidi. Ask me <laughs> when interviewing me as an intern years and years ago was, well, what comics do you like? I guess they wanted to make sure I was for real.
1: Well, right. that's, it is, that's a, that is a, I still, I actually just was interviewing somebody for a position somewhere in one of my endeavors and that was one of the first questions well, yeah. I asked them. Yeah. It's yeah. Because, yeah. revealing. Because it's revealing any which way. That's what we're about here. Yeah, <laughs> that's what it is. And, we're you about know, comics. And it also just is like... Am I going to like this person? Yeah.
0: (laughs) There you go. Yeah. All right.
1: Well, in the world that Calvin made, um, let's see what's going on this week. Uh, Direct market? Okay. Well, we've been talking about this for Mm. weeks. Uh, Every time we get together uh, in the room, uh, it seems to be the fate of the periodical, is uh, discussed because it's the discourse of the moment and um so this latest discourse was kicked off by genius self-aggrandizer Mark Miller uh who went on a kind of um a podcast which I'm not going to name cuz the the people who run it feud with me and and also they're sort of comics Mm-mm. uh adjacenty kind of folk um mm-hmm. anyway but he went on a rant about how this is the the worst time for uh mainstream comics publishing by which he meant Marvel and DC and um i mean he's kind of not wrong in a way just in terms of of you know the perception of sales and but his solution to it was to get the 20th biggest the 20 biggest comics names to come back to Marvel and DC and revamp all the characters. And, you know, I guess he meant people like Mike Diodato and, you know, mm. like Brian Hitch, I suppose. I mean, just, you know, Pepe LeRoz. Just mm. big name artists and writers. Yeah, yeah. And I, a lot, I think we talked about this when we were talking about the Marvel malaise. Like, Marvel really, you know, they lowered their rates quite a bit. And that's why a lot of people um, went to DC. And they have some big names there, but... Um, a lot of big names do not write for Marvel anymore. And, um, so I think that was a little bit of what he was talking about. So, you know, look, whether this is a good idea or a bad idea, it's an idea and nobody seems to really have any ideas right now. Uh, but what it engendered was, um, really a lot more talk about sales charts and, and somebody leaked a, t- a chart from Image that showed their top 25 first issues, which, you know what, doesn't tell you anything. Actually, who cares? Of course, number one of Spawn returns right. did well. What? How did issue fifteen do? Yeah, but it, it it sparked a lot more calls, and really, to me, the message was that the industry really needs sales charts again. Yeah,
0: uh, sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, I also thought it was interesting, and this is your article that I, you know, that I'm referring to. Um, uh. I mean, that sounds like a great, you know, an all, it's an all-star game. Alright?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, or an old-timers game, I'm yeah. not sure which. Um but you had some interesting points later in that piece about maybe another generation of, and type of artists. And we're also talking about superhero or superhero adjacent comics. And we're also talking about periodicals. In mm-hmm. a time where that format yeah. is under Extreme pressure.
1: Yes. And, but I mean, I want to go back to the sales chart aspect and mm-hmm, I think sure. that we've talked about it here before. Um, but there was quite a few articles on other, uh, like this spurred discourse on the few sites that even cover this anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, that I thought were just some of the, the better writing about the industry that I've read in quite a while, just because people were really engaging with, with, you know, the reality of what's happening. But, uh, it just, it, it is, it does seem that publishers really want sales charts back. And I think I've said this before, but Image Comics for sure wants them back cuz they are always sending out these press releases talking about their sales. <laughs> and you know, without sales charts, you can't be number 1. <laughs> you know? And I've my understanding yeah. is that you know, that was another And who doesn't want to be number 1? Right. One? And that was another reason that um <laughs> that um uh, you know, this chart was of interest. You know, John Jackson Miller did like some numbers on it, so you could kind of see what the spread of the top twenty-five was. And, uh, I mean, it just—I mean, Calvin, I don't know. You know, well, you did the sales charts here at PW.
0: Well, I, I mean, I used to do a sales chart a long time ago, okay. but I mean, I mean, sales—you know, sales in the direct market and sales in the book world—you know, that's—it's a just a world apart. So, I don't consider myself an expert on that at all. Um, uh, you know, I, you know, I I don't see the format going away. I don't see periodicals going away. Um, but that market, it's just, it's tough. It's, it's an older market. I think, uh, you know, the economics of it are useful for a comics publisher. But man, that's just not where the growth is.
1: Well, I thought what was, what I thought was interesting was that, um, That, you know, I threw out some ideas. I said, you know, wouldn't you, you know, look, uh, Mark Miller and Pepe LaRoz on Batman, great. Wouldn't you rather see Naoki Urasawa on Batman? Wouldn't you rather see Rachel Smith on Wonder Woman? I mean, what do you think of that? And, and then Ryan Higgins, the retailer on, on Twitter, who's, you know, pretty progressive and Outspoken, and he was just like, you know, we don't need that because their readers aren't going to read Batman or Wonder Woman, and I'm like, well, what about your readers?
2: What about your readers? Wouldn't they enjoy seeing something new and different?
1: And but then, and also, then we got into an argument. He says, you know, I never sell any Lore Olympus at my store. And I'm like, well, okay, that's fair. I said, but, you know, it is a bestseller. And then he was like, well, how does number four sell? I'm like, it's a bestseller. I mean, and then I went and looked on, because Publishers Weekly, it wasn't just a bestselling graphic novel. It was in the top ten of all All books
2: books the week it came out. And so even if the people who go to your particular comic store have never read Laura Olympus. You don't get to that number in sales without being a really good comic creator who creates stuff that people like. I mean, I mean if, if, if you're, say, Batman or Wonder Woman reader who's never even heard of Laura Olympus picks up that comic, who's to say they won't love it? Uh, I- exactly. It, it's cross-pollination is good for both sides. It's not just like, oh well, it's cross-promotional because there's a famous name on our covers and their fans will pick it up.
1: And, you know, I pointed out that, uh, Naoko Urasawa did do Batman in that comic that a lot of people thought was really crappy. You know, he did, what was that book no, he did? He did like, a Batman story? Well, it wasn't really Batman. It was his take on it.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean. Do you remember
1: what it was called, Kate?
2: No, but I will say, like, Bill Willingham did Robin and it was a bad idea. Hey, you know, not everybody does every title. It's okay. But if you happen to be interested in doing a superhero title and you're good at doing other stuff, worth a shot. Well, he did Billy Bat. That was it. Billy Um, Bat. And yeah,
1: nobody liked Billy Bat. So maybe Urasawa shouldn't do Batman.
0: Well, (laughs) you know, I I certainly think that they, uh, what you're suggesting uh innovation experimentation cross-pollination all of that um and and I think it can be done within the world. I mean personally speaking I don't think any periodical comics should not they should all be collected at the end of them. some you know some story arc I just think that you're you're leaving money and you're leaving readers all out of what you're doing if you're not doing that and and most publishers are to some extent but uh I, it, it's hard to know how to approach uh the sales mix in, in direct market stores now because I see them as, you know, half classic comic stores and half specialty bookstores. But,
1: you know, I think I just think a lot of the anxiety about the periodical format is just literally because we don't know how much they're selling.
0: Well, that, yeah. that that that's and, true, but and, the, the problem is, why is that the case? Nobody wants to give out their numbers, right. because if there's a number one, there's going to be somebody in last place, too. Right, right. Well, but not only yeah, that. Yeah, but
1: they, we've had sales charts. Yeah, but
2: we don't have from, them now. Well, well, well no, why but, is that?
0: Because nobody wants to give their numbers well, there's
2: up. there's a different... Re- I'm sorry, where are you... Well, so there's, there's a couple things going on here. One, not everything goes through Diamond now, so now you yeah, need to get the the comic book stars to tag it. along. But two, everybody wants to be number one, but... A lot of people get embarrassed sometimes, depending where in the industry of books or comics, by how low the figures for, say, number 10 are, because it's one thing to have the number one or even number three or even number five comic out there, and it's another thing to have in print the seemingly low number of how many it sold which is actually not necessarily a bad thing that it sold that many, but to the general audience who's used to thinking of things in huge numbers, the smallness of the periodical comic industry and, you know, just how many it takes to be a hit, it's lower than people expect. Yeah, but listen. uh, I think this is the Netflix effect. I think mm, just like Netflix doesn't want to tell you how many people really watched their number one show mm-hmm. because they don't want to admit that per show only insert number here people list, watch their number one show. Uh, you know, comics might have the same attitude. And just I, saying. I think this whole metadata
1: numbers mm-hmm. argument that's going on that's also at the crux of the strikes is exactly what's going on with comics. I think this is a, a, a throughout, I think it's a through line through a lot of the conflict and battles that are happening right now because we have literally more accurate data than we've ever had before that is why it must be hidden more well, strongly it's got to be locked up harder than it ever has before so but i and you know the reality is that uh i mean I, I i know i've said this here before but to me this is like the shining light you know, the dawn breaking, which is uh Jen Haynes at Comics Bro says yeah. after they get the made it did s- settled. They had a meeting at the Comics Bro meeting in February yeah. mm-hmm. with everybody in the room and they all agreed in theory that they want to have sell through sales charts again. Uh-huh. And but that would be great. I it's hope a they co- do it. right. But it's a couple of years away. And why? You know, because the metadata, because of the different distributors and because the metadata is, is messed up and they need to get it uniforms that mm-hmm. it can all be in some kind of book scan like system. And, you know, look to what you're saying about the lower sellers. It's like, you know, book scan has incredibly accurate numbers that are, but they're, they're not even. They're like, you know, three quarters of what a book actually sells. So they're mm-hmm. super low, but,
2: but books are doing just fine. Right. Yeah. But I, I think part of it is, Exactly what happens with books is what happens with comics, is that a lot of things that are actually fine, that are actually just fine, don't sound impressive on a press release, right? That, I will say, the first time I saw book scan numbers and I had access to book scan, which only happened a couple times in my life, but when I did, I was pretty surprised at how uh, low some titles were selling. Mm-hmm. And, even if that's only three-quarters of the number sold, three-quarters is still a lot to be low. Um But it doesn't – it's just low in the mind of the public. You have to then mentally yes, correct, multiply correct. it by, how you know, however many books there are out there. The industry may be doing fine, but just because the numbers work internally – doesn't mean they sound impressive.
1: Right. But, you know, another reason that sales charts are important in all industries is uh, uh, what they call, you know, doing comps. Like yeah, when for the you, creators. When you are mm-hmm. doing a, um, when you are trying to sell a book to your sales team. Absolutely. And, you know, you say, oh, it's like two big hits. And when you don't have any hits, how do you do a, compar- a comparative? You
2: yeah. Know? Mm-hmm. So- and how do you, even when you're not bringing in two big hits even when you're saying oh it's similar to a couple solid Mm -hmm. properties that it's a realistic thing to say this is similar to Mm -hmm. if nobody knows how they're doing even if it's like the most accurate thing you're like yes this is indeed very similar to these two titles you don't know if that's a good thing or not yeah
1: and you know just from my own personal experience you know, having gone through the, you know, I actually worked in the comics industry only for three years, you know, when I worked at DC, and it happened to coincide with the darkest days of the comics industry since the, um, you know, the Wortham scare. And, uh, you know, the sales were very low. Like, mm-hmm. the number one book was under a 100,000 copies a month, and that created a lot of anxiety, and everyone was miserable. But the thing about it is, then, one day, there comes a book that sells 125,000 copies a month. And everybody's like, oh my God, this is great. Then you feel good and then you have hope again. So it's just like, like, yes. I mean, I don't believe the comics periodical is doomed. I really don't. I think it's going to change. It's going to evolve and there's going to be a lot of other things and we'll continue to talk about this here on the podcast. So I'm just saying, it's like, I, I, I just know how, yes, sales might be bad, things might be low, but once you get that little ray of hope, Everybody's back on board.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and I, I just, I because I also still think that the direct market is an incredible that could be can be an incredible library because you have you have these two formats that really, uh, and I remember talking with a retailer. This is a few years ago, but even and it was a time when actually I thought books were just going to wipe out periodicals, and I remember. Talking to multiple retailers who said, well, you know, our business is almost 50-50. I mean, it may go a little bit more one way or another from year to year. So you've got these two formats. We, there's, there, it just seems like this is a great laboratory for trying to figure out what consumers want in a time now when there's an explosion of diverse titles mm-hmm. yeah. and right. genres. Yeah. Um, I, I and think, part of it is a market correction. Excuse me. Go on. Go ahead.
2: Yeah. I, I think what you're saying is absolutely true. And I think periodical in the sense as serialized story in the sense of of chunks, I think is absolutely precious in the way you're saying, I don't know that digital is any less good at that. If it's, if it's periodical, if it's, Mm. well, I have had two very intelligent comic
1: book people in the last, like, Few weeks, tell me, the lack of reliable digital comics right now is one of the biggest mm. dangers to the industry. One of the biggest well, problems in the industry.
0: I mean, what we had learned over years is that digital sends people it, into it does. print.
1: and I, I just want to point out, we did not have this in the story list, but uh, this is actually big news that today the Global Comics app oh. beta launched on the oh, uh, on on different levels, mm-hmm. and you know they had a website. But they did not have uh the app ready to go available to consumers. So this, you know, they're 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 pretty dedicated to sticking with this. So um I think this
2: is a real Don't sell to Amazon. I think nobody's ever gonna do that again.
0: Yeah, Don't sell well, to Apple. Until they write the check. But anyway.
2: No, that's done.
1: <laughs> it happened the one time, it's over.
0: Yeah, Maybe well,
1: Apple will buy it now. That's we'll the next see. one. Well anyway, to be continued. Um, yeah. and then we have also but but there's as always some little um you know business stories and one of them, really the end of an era, is that JHU is closing its Manhattan store. J H U stands for John Jim Hanley's Universe. Uh but the store is actually called JHU. Um, Jim Hanley was the pioneering uh you know, trailblazing retailer. Who had his first store was in the, the, that mall, that A&S mall. Uh, his first store was on Staten Island. I right. okay. He is a native of Staten Island and it was a Staten Island, um, you know, institution. And then he right. opened a store in Manhattan in that that mall that's on 32nd street right. and then mm-hmm. it moved to 33rd street right across the price. Right Empire from State the, building. Uh, that,
0: that's where I know it yeah. from. It that was incredible store. It was like the biggest, Attic of comics. It was a ever.
1: huge place. It was we did huge. so many events there, so huge. many meetings. I mean, I would go, and I would, you know, that was my local. And then they actually moved very close to me. And I have to say, like, just a right around the corner. Uh, but it was in—I I have to say—it wasn't really the greatest location. And I went was, to that store a couple of times. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it, the actual store is fine. It's just, mm-hmm. it's in this kind of mall yeah. that's below ground. You can't see it mm-hmm. from the street. And, um, you know, the owners, uh, currently Nick Papura and Ron Hill and they are keeping the Staten Island store open, but the legendary legacy of JHU in Manhattan is Didn't coming they used to Do to have a
0: store end. on Chamber Street? There was a set I do believe multi- they did yeah.
1: have cuz I used
0: to go to that store yes, also. They had it was another right there BMCC, right near the uh it was, Manhattan Community College.
2: It was like the type of at least from the experiences I've had with the versions of JHU I've been in, which was admittedly only two of them and admittedly not that often. Is it um it felt like a super sized version of mm-hmm. a very eccentric comic store. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, i uh, look. Even now
1: it's a uh it is kind of an old, it's an old school store. I mean, it has a lot of periodicals. It has a lot of back issues, mm-hmm. but I will say Ron and Nick have upgraded it. They have kids comics right by the checkout. Um, if you go in, they have a, a huge selection of books, graphic novels. I mean, I'm just bummed because that was really my, mm-hmm. my Christmas shopping. Mm-hmm. You know, I would go there and, and pick up some gifts at the, you know, if I needed books or toys, they also covered toys and merchandise. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and look, so just to, you know, plug Ola, I am going to be doing an interview with Nick and Ron. Um, I wanted to do a live stream cause I, 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 you know, when I talk to them, they're just, they won't shut up. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, but then one of them was like, Oh, I, I, I just think that would be awkward. I'm like, all right. Uh, you know, all right. So you want me to transcribe this? Okay. Um, but yes, I'm going to do, I will, I do. Well, why don't you send it to us? Well, there you go. Because they don't want to, they, they don't want to they, they do Got audio. It. Yeah. Uh, but I do guarantee that Nick and Ron will, uh, let loose in in their exit interview (laughs) uh, for what happened.
0: Knowledgeable entertainment. Yes, and
1: they will have quite a few, they are quite a few things to say about all this. Cool.
0: Uh, More business?
1: Uh, Well, we have some more comings and goings. Uh,
0: Yeah. Um, Well, should we, uh, Spencer Simpson?
1: Yes. Yes. Uh, Spencer. uh, Hired at Oni now. Yes. Um, And uh, we, you know, we have talked about Spencer on the show quite a few times. I'm surprised we never interviewed him. Yeah, you know, he,
0: I, I think, I don't think we ever have. But
1: I, I think we profiled him. I mean, we certainly, you know, has been a friend of PW's coverage because he was originally the graphic novel buyer at Books a Million. Yes. And, um, you know, that's a pretty key. It was key area. and they
0: were selling like crazy. He yeah. really, uh, he really upped their game on the graphic novels. He really side. did.
1: Um, and um and he's
0: moving we he, he moved on from there but obviously every place he has been he's impactful he's incredibly knowledgeable uh he's a great ambassador for the yes. the category in every way um and uh you know it, it, what he was at dc and got laid off yeah you he know, was a, he went DC's from there lost. he went
1: from books a million which uh is it even still around
0: I don't even know Yeah, yeah they Because they ran into Hastings. problems. Yeah, yeah they ran
1: into Problems too But you know He went to Boom And then mm-hmm. uh, Where he was uh, Director of sales mm-hmm. And then he went to D.C. Where he was Director of sales And marketing And then they laid him off Because you know Who needs Sales who and marketing Who needs a really no, Confident Thoughtful Great You know, you know, great...
0: <laughs>
1: you know yeah. Uh, yeah Who needs Who needs somebody To oversee sales And marketing yeah. That's you know Not for a publisher What are you talking but, about only, I He's kind of crushing it He would come Of their hires I think that's a good hire like I think that's a really Good hire um, so yeah, congrats to Spencer. Yeah, congrats and, I, Spencer. you know, the only thing I will say, just in case he's listening, is that, that headshot they sent out, he looks so, uh, winsome. <laughs> so, you know. There looks you looks go. Like one of the most winsome headshots I've ever seen. There the, you go. The we don't think of, of winsome, history. we
0: think of directors of sales. No, but not at all. But that's yeah. all right. And Maybe then. That's Fox not, a million is so still
1: around, by the way. Is it? Is it? Yeah, okay. I, I believe there's actually, is Hastings still around? That was the other one.
0: I don't, uh, yeah, I'm not sure. All right. Because they, well, I'm not anyway. going to say that because wow. I, I don't. Okay, know
1: well, we're not as knowledgeable as we thought we were. Um, oh, another going, another big change is that Faye Desmond, who is mm. the executive director of the San Diego Comic Con, is retiring after a long and distinguished. Um,
0: for sure.
1: Run. Uh, you know, Faye, I knew her because uh, in the nineties, you would see Faye. I mean, we're going way back 30 years ago, I would see Faye. And then as the con got bigger and bigger, you, I would not see Faye. And, um, you know, because she was in the, in the crow's nest on a headset, and, you know, <laughs> dealing <laughs> yes, with all yes, the crisis yes, yes, after yeah. crisis. But, you know, listeners, have you ever thrown a birthday party and you know how complicated it was? Like just getting the cake and the invites, and this happened and that happened, right? And but you did it because you know it was a birthday party. Imagine throwing a convention for one hundred fifty thousand people
0: <laughs> every year.
1: <laughs> every year, and everybody thinks it's their birthday. Yeah. Um. So anyway, anyone who puts on an event, my hat is off to you.
0: Well, and certainly the event that she you know oversaw, uh, you know. The biggest pop culture, you know, event. and most impactful yeah, in, in
1: North America. pop
0: culture event well, in North America.
1: Well, it's the most impactful, but uh, there is some competition because... Yeah, because
0: it may I, not be the biggest It's anymore, not
1: the biggest. The but, biggest is New York Comic Con, which says it draws 200,000 yeah. people. So really, well, it's outgrown it. Well...
0: Well, it's how they count the tickets. It's how you
1: count tickets. And also, to be honest, it's whether you consider looky-loos on the streets to be attending the con. I would have to say San Diego has more people. This is what I say. Like, there was a bunch of first-timers. I might have said this on the podcast before. So I probably did because I ramble and repeat myself. Um, But, um, you know, rambling, gambling. Um, So so some (laughs) first-timers at Comic-Con – were amazed not having been at San Diego before at how just it takes over the city. Yeah, And you know, here in New York, Let's face it. Like it maybe when you're standing on Twelfth Avenue, you're in the throes of Comic Con, and maybe by the time you get to Eleventh Avenue, there's a lot of cosplayers. But by the time you get to Tenth Avenue,
2: yeah, it's back to normal. It's back to New York.
1: Back to New York, which like... is like a Comic Con every day of the yes, year. But um, you know, you know the, it does not take over the city quite the way.
0: Yeah, I mean, at San Diego, obviously, it takes over the, the Gaslight. District, a gas lamp, gas light. Gas uh, lamp. Gas lamp. I mean, it takes over a major chunk of the city in ways it's hard to describe if you haven't been to see it. It doesn't, everything doesn't happen inside the building. A lot of really great stuff happens outside the building, up the, that avenue and, and <laughs> in a, what? Mile radius, you know, uh, away from the harbor or more. So, it's it's hard to describe, which is why it's, you yeah. know, Comic-Con-landia.
1: Yeah. But speaking of New York Comic-Con, it is huge. And, you know, just because New York is this kind of city that absorbs every kind of event into it, you know, a marathon. How many people run the marathon? Like 70,000 people. Anyway, I'm just saying. It absorbs big. huge events into itself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, So uh new york comic con uh announced their period their pa the programming the exhibitor list mm-hmm. and uh yeah there were some surprises on there there was uh i i mean it looks like d c really doesn't have a lot of presence at all i they are not exhibiting in fact yeah. hmm. i gotta say the list of exhibitors is uh comics publishers is thin
0: then that's interesting, uh,
1: yeah. Um, I hmm. uh, I mean, okay, Viz is going to be there. I want to, you know, and Scholastic, uh, who are the two biggest publishers, so the two biggest are going to be there, and Marvel, so uh, the biggest direct sales uh publisher. But um, you know, IDW is setting up an artist alley, no dark horse, no image. Um, hmm. interesting, yeah. Uh, hold, I, I'm just trying to. Uh, Calvin, did you, you, have you, uh, I didn't
0: get, you know, this, I I did not get a chance to look at it and I didn't know the programming had been announced yet. So I have not had a chance to look at
1: it. You know, also they keep saying Jeff Smith is coming, um,
0: which he's he's not coming,
1: he's not coming, uh, which cracks me up. Okay. Exhibitors. If you click on comics publishers, let's see. Um Abrams, alright. Absolute Alien Books. Well, we want to learn about them. So uh AWA is coming. Uh Black tooth Ben Bishop, Carnivore Comics is coming. That's awesome. Um Cowabunga Comics is coming. Mm, That's Cowabunga. awesome. Uh I'm just going down E F I'm just reading out publishers we've heard of. Harper Collins, I've heard of them. Uh, uh, uh bleh, 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 up to M. Yeah, I'm
0: trying to find. Uh, a, uh,
1: Nameless bastard is coming. uh panic <laughs> press is coming, Rebellion is coming. They are known. publishers. they are big. Simon and Schuster is coming, Storm King is coming, yeah. uh, Stranger is coming, uh Valor comics is coming. Hmm. Introducing Valor Comics, a fresh and uh let's see, Zenoscope. You know, hey, listen, hmm. we make fun of them, but they they show they up. Exist. They show up. Yeah. I, I give them that. So that was the comics publishing, and um, but I, I know it. that other publishers are coming. Like that list didn't include Marvel, so it could also be that this. Category of comics publishers on the site is not very accurate. <laughs>
0: hmm. Or it could so be it, that certain maybe publishers it's just not have not complete yet. Mm. Certain
2: publishers may not have signed course. their final contracts yet.
1: Well, that is also possible. Okay, under anime and manga publishers, uh James C. Mulligan is coming. Uh, Katakawa is coming, which is Yen Press. Uh, manga Plus yeah. is coming. Shueisha is coming. Um and Viz Media will be there. And I know First Second is also coming, but they're not listed under this. Hmm. So uh let I me mean, look under prose publishing. It's I know just... i can't
0: find an exhibitor list. You oh the...
1: yeah, you, you gotta know where to go. Okay, no. let's see. Here's under um book publishing. Uh
0: are you on the Comic Con site?
1: Yeah. Hashat is coming. Insight Editions is coming nerd night is coming quirk is coming Uh and uh that's it so a lot of other publishers are being represented by panels such as vault uh and um i mean idw has i haven't had a chance to go through all the panels yet so and they are um look i don't mean to shame any of our hard 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 working friends at New York Comic Con, but uh when you search by topic, it's similarly mm. scattered. So, anyway, get mm. that metadata nailed down, my friends.
2: <laughs> well, I mean get those publishers Well, down. it's
1: hard. I mean, I mean New York Comic Con is a sprawling event that is difficult to negotiate at the best of times. Mm. So, um anyway, mm we'll see. wear your comfortable shoes. Yes, wear comfortable shoes. Uh well the other thing, okay, crunchy roll is going to be there, fox is going to be there. Let's see. Uh well, we'll find out. It's coming in about a month. Um Another thing that was announced is that there's gonna be quite a bit of professional programming. So Comics Pro is doing a program, uh ICBT will be there. And then they're announcing the Industry Summit for Industry Professionals, which will have a keynote speech by Marie Javins, editor in chief mm-hmm. of DC Comics. So DC will be represented. So yeah.
0: All right. And uh all righty, so uh let's see, and have we covered everything? Um, you're going to be doing some traveling this week. Yes. Weekend. Well,
1: speaking of cons, this week, normally it'll be I go down to Baltimore for Baltimore Comic-Con, and then next week I go back for SPX. Uh, Baltimore moves around. They do not get a set date at the convention center. Uh SPX is usually held the second weekend mm-hmm. in September, so they are on schedule. So, yeah, but both of them are the same weekend. Uh Baltimore couldn't get any other dates. So it kind of makes it convenient because... I'm just blasting on down. I'm going to go to Baltimore on Friday afternoon. uh, Then on Saturday afternoon, I'm going to go to Bethesda for mm-hmm. SPX and then stay for the Ignatzes and, um you know, see that. But, I mean, these are two of the most fun yeah. shows. And listen... I'm sure I'll get a lot of gossip at both of them.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, and I'm 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 not going to SBX this year. Um, but um, they, they, there's great panels, and I should say Meg, uh, you know,
1: yes, Meg is, will be at SBX representing
0: P, uh, PW's Graphic Novels Review Editor. She's going to be moderating a couple of panels, yes. including one because she's the comic editor at Mother Magazine, mm-hmm. and they've got a panel. Um Then there's another one for writing for young readers. Uh, so I know she's moderate. <laughs> I know she's moderating those two. Uh, but there is a, there is just a long list of great topics on the SPX programming list. Uh, And they
1: do put those up. They do archive them. There's some
0: great stuff.
1: Yeah, they have an incredible guest list. Uh, the, the, um,
0: uh, the Tamaki um, Cousins. I going to say the Tamaki Cousins. They're going to be there. Um, Ngozi, uh, Zakers, he's going to be there doing a, a panel on, I don't know what, I forget exactly what the panel is. Um,
1: well, you just cracked me up because when you said Meg was going to do the writing for Young Readers panel, because, you know, when I was the comics review editor here at PW, mm-hmm. I was always asked to do the kids' comics panels. <laughs> so I guess that task I guess it's been, has you know, been passed on. Yes, uh, yeah. Meg has inherited yeah. that task as well, yeah. and she will do an amazing job. So.
0: Indeed she will. So, um, SBX coming up, Baltimore Uh, Comic Con. Yeah, Baltimore Comic Con.
1: Uh, just a shout out at Baltimore Comic Con. Uh, two people asked me to plug their stuff. Uh, be one is Scott Dunbeer. He has put together a uh, auction, uh, benefiting the Ukraine. Uh, Scott is the, uh, mastermind behind all those artist editions. He knows everybody. So he gets some pretty incredible, um, uh, stuff that's gonna be auctioned off. Got for. a shelf of Eisner's. Yes, uh, but it's, you know, it's for a very good cause. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, look, I'm getting a ride down from, uh, our friend Glenn Holman of, um you know, his own little publishing company that I can't... Oh, yes, of course. Of course. Sure. So, yeah. So, uh, and, you know, they're doing a lot of reprints. Uh, there's a big spotlight on first comics and their legacy at the show because Baltimore is a throwback comic con. Mm-hmm. Um, but he did a little ash can of their new edition of Whisper by Stephen Grant, which was a classic first comic. So, uh, you know, just plugging it. In. He's got his little ash can at the booth. So go check it
0: out. Yeah. And, um, shout out to Glenn. Shout out to Glenn. Thanks for the ride. Yeah. So you know i he was one of the first he has a whole other history in digital publishing does he really completely he was a pioneer does besides he? the the legal stuff that right know, with uh dr Seuss um he was one of the first e book articles I ever wrote oh wow, he was anyway. Good <laughs> yeah. <your> thing, Glenn. <laughs> yeah, I,
1: you know what? I, what is the damn name of the company? Uh, comic, the comic Mix. mix. Comic, comic Mix. mix.
0: Of yes. course, of course, yeah. Comic Mix. So, yes. yeah, Anyway, so um, news briefs. News briefs.
2: So we've got a wide variety of news briefs, things that go all the way from. Um, Delicious to Hilarious. <laughs> I like that, you know, the categories. Um, first off, speaking of the... Well, depends on how you look at it, either Delicious or Hilarious or both. <laughs> Toa Animation had a copyright strike. A copyright strike against food-based comedian Uncle Roger. <laughs> now, if you haven't heard of Uncle Roger, clearly you don't spend much time on the internet or know my dad. Uh, (laughs) Uncle Roger is a uh, Malaysian comedian of Chinese descent who makes fun of Asian food. Especially badly made Asian food. And he decided to have a little fun, arguably at the expense of a Toa Properties Food. <laughs> I <sighs> didn't have a lot of a sense of humor of it. So yeah, One mm-hmm. Piece. Yeah, yes. One Piece, uh, depicted curry in episode 133. And Uncle Roger had opinions on this cooking and included some extremely short clips. Very, very short. <laughs> Mostly for the, you know, the, the basics of comedy. The funny thing is, most people would consider this promo. I mean, by American copyright standards, these are well within fair use. Uh I think any American publisher would be like, Oh, sweet. A popular comedian did a whole thing on one of my shows. Excellent. But mm-hmm. uh, anime publishers, they, they seem to be missing the boat. So uh, Uncle Roger is currently fighting it out with Toei and YouTube in, in an attempt <laughs> to get his humorous anime curry episode reposted. Good luck to Uncle Roger seems like reasonable fair use to me. Have a sense of humor. Yeah, come
0: on. Free Uncle Roger. Yeah, free (laughs) Uncle Roger. (laughs) Yeah, come on.
2: Well, you know, he has alienated uh, a number of different humorless forces, including (laughs) the mainland Chinese government. So, you know, I don't think he's going to be put off by eye Animation.
0: There There you go.
2: Meanwhile, um... A long-lost Disney short film called The Flower, which was set in Japan, has returned to production. So, but this time, with actual Japanese animators involved. Nice! Yep. So uh the director Andrew Simmons who is a Disney veteran is is bringing it back it's set in 15th century Japan and um a number of Japan-based animators are joining the team including Wenrui Huang uh Simon Huang and uh the Animator dash calligrapher Hiromi Hasegawa. So you know.
0: Seems like a good move.
2: Seems like a good yeah. move. So it's uh Simmons has been involved in Little Mermaid, Lion King, and Brother Bear, so you know, it's it's got it's got some juice behind it. Interestingly, this money was not provided by Disney to finish it. It was provided by Kickstarter.
0: <laughs> Disney's
2: <laughs> has to do a Kickstarter? Well, <laughs> D- Disney isn't. So you see the film was started in 1998 in at Disney Studios and um Disney just cut it loose. They were like, "You know what? We're we're just done with this film." But Clearly, they cleared Simmons to finish it, if he could get the money together, and he did, and they are. Mm. Okay. Good for Disney. Getting some crowdfunding going. It shows they yeah, really have an I audience. See
0: Bob Iger now, like, you know, working on his Kickstarter donations.
2: <laughs> you know what? Better to let the animator, you know take the project elsewhere than to do what's happened to a lot of other yeah, projects, sure. which is to yep. make them a tax write-off yeah. and right. shelve them yeah. never to be seen again. Yeah. I mean, quite frankly, I think there are a lot of creators there who have, unfortunately, been in the news recently with their possibly eternally shelved mm-hmm. projects yeah. well, who yeah. would love to get it back and go to Kickstarter. Points to them. Also, um I think that we would like to uh wish it get well soon to Jeff Smith. Yes, Yo, he just mentioned yes. and uh yeah.
0: yeah. Who was would have been at CXC yeah. for my and award and which he was the, one of the co founders yes, of yes. um but uh yes. Yeah.
1: yeah. But at yeah he had Jeff had a cardiac event. Yeah he had a cardiac event and yeah. um uh, apparently you know no details but it sounds pretty serious. He seems but like he's he is on the getty, mend. he's yeah. on the mend and you know we love Jeff. I yes. mean we were hanging out at um U.S. Bookshop. Yes, yeah, exactly. I did US the panel show, with, with him. Walden, and um, and Delightful. And yeah, and I mean, I hadn't really hung out with Jeff in a while, and it mm-hmm. was just wonderful. And, um, Jeff, just get well, okay? Yeah, yeah. A
2: book tour is very physically strenuous. I, I can definitely see how someone who is on the mend and will eventually be just fine still is not up to a book tour
0: yet. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, because yeah. he had a bunch of dates left to go. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. hey, we love you, man. Uh,
1: well, one more thing happened that's kind of of note one note one piece
2: yes so um despite having time to get into dust ups with uncle roger (laughs) uh the people behind one piece managed to make a decent deal apparently with netflix so there's been a very extremely troubled history, uh, let's put it that way, of live-action English-language manga and anime adaptations. Even notoriously closed-mouth places such as Netflix, prone to saying everything is a hit, have admitted that their ventures into this genre have been less than successful. I mean... Quite frankly, every time someone announces a new live-action English-language manga or anime adaptation, I start setting my clock for when I'm going to hear it's a flop. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> One Piece's live-action adaptation is, if we could trust Netflix, not only not a flop, but their number one title. Um, the, uh, creator of One Piece has gone on record saying that he's hoping this will be his way to break into the, um, American market big. And, uh, I, I hope it does a good job of of promoting the anime and the manga. Well, listen, there's been a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of buzz about the show. I mean, on what's
1: left of, 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 you know, Twitter. I mean, that's a whole (laughs) podcast in itself, but I... Um, you know, it's really hard. It's like that with well, Twitter is no longer driving the conversation. It is mm. dead as a doornail, unless you're a white supremacist or Nazi, yeah. and then it's or no. a yeah. podcast or, or a po- I, I, I don't know about that. I mean, yeah. you know, the di- the dialogue is dead. But anyway, what little dialogue there is, a lot of it I've seen is about One Piece. So there's been a lot of just excitement about this. Well, it's and, hitting uh, a
2: mainstream market. Yeah, and you know, even just, a doctor's office near you is playing.
1: Yeah, and I mean, you know, I think One Piece is one of the all time great comics. You know, I think it's, it's yes. top twenty, if not top ten. I mean, and, I
0: can't. I've only read a. L- Tiny fraction yeah. of it. Yes. it was hilarious. Yeah, yeah. I and mean, then you
1: know, people who think Dave Sim and Cerebus is great, <laughs> take a look at this. Yeah, um, and it didn't veer off into weird things uh, <laughs> yet. But anyway,
2: All well, it was yet. weird, but a different kind of weird, a yes. much more audience-friendly weird. Yes, yes,
1: exactly. And you know, the character designs are insanely great. Yeah. You know, like just Atsuya Oda is so talented as a storyteller and a designer and an artist and a cartoonist. Anyway uh but some people aren't going to read a comic some people aren't going to watch an anime and live action i mean i would have said it was impossible because the powers t- yeah, of go. the characters are so out there hmm. but seems a lot of people yeah. like it and, and in the netflix way the whole first season is dropped and um i guess we need to find time to watch it guys yeah i think so yeah. i think you're right yeah so um i think i will i think there'll be more to come yeah
2: and on that note
1: i guess for real
0: yeah, there I think will you just be. Said it.
1: <laughs> well, I said that in my way, but you know it's not real until
0: we all say it. No, oh, no, that's true. It's like a magical incantation.
1: That there will be
0: more. Two, count. <laughs>
2: okay. Why do you encourage
1: her? Little Waris falling, calling, Why lost do you within her? the crowd. <laughs> Mama walrus. Flapping, slapping, bellows deep and loud.